Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Words matter. Your words matter. They absolutely matter. Um, So one of the things that I I think if I could give a little bit of advice of something that I did um, while I was dating my wife that I haven't done nearly as much and probably should um, is if you could write your wife a letter, right? If you could be like, honey, you're as beautiful as the day that I met you. If, if, If you could write in that letter, I love you so much. And I want to be with no one else on the planet besides you. Like, that is good stuff, fellas. Like, put that in the letter. Your words absolutely matter. Um, But the thing about that is that takes time and it takes effort, right? Like, it's slow and it's a process. And you've actually got to work out in your own heart. Um, Instead of thinking about the Super Bowl that is going on tonight, you actually have to think about your wife and tomorrow in order to be able to write that letter, right? Because um, if you're anything like me in my head, whenever I'm focused on football, that is the only thing that I'm focused on in my mind is like, how is Joe Burrow going to do tonight in the Super Bowl? Is he going to win or is he not? Because honestly, it's one of the coolest stories I think that exists in the NFL. But in reality, guys, Super Bowl is not the big game. The big game is tomorrow, let's be honest, right? Like, be focused on what's happening tomorrow. But our words absolutely matter. Um, you could go the other way. You could not think about what you're going to say. You could walk into tomorrow and really just kind of wing it. Um, Guys, that's a bad idea. Don't do it. Um, Do not do that. You want to be prepared walking into tomorrow because you might say something stupid. Um, Very likely you will say something stupid. You will be like, man, this is almost as good as when we were dating. Uh, Don't say that to your wife. She wants to know that it's getting better, that it's been getting better since you started dating. You don't want to be in that place. Um, You actually want to have your wife be excited to be on the date with you, and you don't want to say something stupid in the process. Um, It says this in Proverbs 17, 28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. Um, That's what that's saying is, shut your mouth, don't be an idiot. That's what that means. Okay, that's, that's basically Solomon going, hey, when you talk, you sound real dumb, so don't do it. Um, and I think for me, as I think about that, and it's like, oh, I don't even have to be that smart to say, to like do wise things, right? Like I don't have to know all the right words to say. I can just ask my wife how she's feeling and she can talk to me, right? Like all I gotta do is like listen to her and talk to her with my face, like across the table, right? Like not with a phone, not like bring, not, this is, okay, so this is one for you younger guys, right? Um, Don't go to a movie on a date. It's a bad idea. Why? Because you don't talk to each other. It just doesn't work, right? Like there is no conversation there. And if she actually likes you, she really wants to talk to you. 
and you don't even really have to talk to her. I know lots of you guys are going, I don't talk. Don't talk. Let her talk to you. That's how this works. It works really well in your favor if you do that. Let her talk to you. I say this, guys, as someone who loves to hear themselves on a microphone, right? Like, I love to talk. My students will tell you all day long, I have like 25 minutes for a sermon and I go 45 consistently, like every week. Um, so as someone who loves to talk, let her talk. Um, so here's another thing. Um, that isn't just true about marriages. It's also true about our world. Some of you posted something on Facebook yesterday and you're like, why do people get so mad about that? It's like, I was just telling them the truth. I was just telling them what I thought and they can't handle it. Well, the reality is the way you said it and the way that you posted it came across, not as if you were telling the truth, but it came across like you were a jerk. That's just what's honest. Like as you're posting it and you didn't think really about the way you were saying it, you were just kind of letting things flow and you were getting, typing as fast as you can on that keyboard because you were reacting to something that happened in the world or you were reacting to something that happened on Facebook. You were reacting to something that you saw it came out so fast and it just left your mind and there was this massive reaction and now your cousin doesn't wanna to talk to you at Thanksgiving, right? Um, and some of you are going, I, ooh, that is not fun. It's not a fun thing to do to walk into a family situation and, and be able to kind of, you're almost crawfishing. You know what crawfishing is? Like back, back tailing, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you ever seen a crawfish? They go backwards, they don't go forwards. Um, so you're crawfishing, you're backing out of it. And some of us, I think it would be really wise for us to say, man, maybe my words are a huge part of why things aren't going so well for me. Maybe I need to put a check on my words and how I'm living my life. Um, so. Uh, James talks about this. We're going to go to James chapter one. Y'all can go there. Uh, we're only going to cover a couple of verses, but um, I don't normally have titles for my messages, um, but the one today is uh, how not to be a jerk. Um, so um, if you have ever wondered how not to be a jerk, James tells us. James gives us rules for how do I not be a jerk in my language with other people? How do, I, how do I do this? How do I walk through this? So let's jump in. Uh, we're gonna go to verse 19, James 1, 19, and it says this. Know this, my dearly loved brothers, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So in that, um, just gives an address like to everybody, right? And then quick to hear that my first response is hearing, listening. My first right out of the gate is, let me hear what that other person is saying. Let me, let me hear that that is going on. And that's, that's really not our first reaction, right? It's not usually the first reaction. If you're anything like me, you hear something and you're automatically like wanting to respond to that whatever that thing is. If you're anything like me, you're actually responding before you actually ever heard that other person, right? And I think if we will be quick to hear and not move so quickly so that we can get to what we wanna say next, 
it brings something into the equation that, that I think is extremely important. See, hearing requires humility. It's a, we walk into every situation, we have a me first attitude as we walk into that situation. It's, it's all about me and what I wanna say, right? Instead, James is pointing us and he's going, no, 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 the way that God wants you to move and wants you to act is hear first, listen first. Why? Because it makes me stop that me first attitude. It makes me stop and pause and go, what are they saying? What am I hearing? It's not about me. It takes humility to be able to hear and understand what that other person is saying. And I think as we're hearing that, we have to, guys, this is really important. Um, as I tell you this, again, this is somebody who loves to hear themselves on a microphone, right? Um, you can't hear anything while you're still talking. You can't hear anything while you're still talking. Matter of fact, most of you are talking inside your own head, right? Like there is something going on and you've got this loop that you're just speaking inside your own head. I'd do it, right? I continually talk to myself inside my own head, reacting to that other person. Maybe you even do this. Maybe you react in false conversations that you're going to have with somebody about something they might say, right? You ever done that? You're like, well, when this person says this, I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna do that and do this. And then you get to that point and you, that person doesn't even say that. And you're like, I rehearsed this in the mirror for nothing, right? Um, I do that so many times in my life where I'm like, I'm gonna get them, I'm gonna, I'm gonna react. And so James in this passage, he goes, be quick to listen, be slow to speak and be slow to become angry. What he's doing in there, right? So quick and slow, right? Opposites, right? And then hear and speak, opposites, right? And then he goes at the end and goes, be slow to become angry. He puts quick and slow, hear and speak, and then goes, okay, there's something about being quick and being angry that is our natural state. There is something about being really fast in my conversation, in my speech, that it comes out as anger. My natural reaction is to boom, anger, right? I, I think that that's true. And as I look at that and I go, okay, this is, this is my natural reaction is anger. Hearing counterbalances that. Hearing comes on the other side of that and actually stops that anger. If you're anything like me, anger causes word vomit. Y'all know what I'm talking about, word vomit? You ever had that? Um, it's where all of a sudden something just all out of your mouth, right? And you're like, oh, I vomited all over you. I'm sorry. Um, and, but it really does feel that way. It feels that way, right? Like I get into this conversation and I just said something I didn't mean for that to come out that way, 
right? Like it just came out of me because I was heated and it like, I went to this place and I, I brought this thing up in the conversation. And sometimes you bring up stuff that's, y'all ever been a part of this conversation? You bring up stuff in conversation and it has nothing to do with argument whatsoever. Like you were just mad, so you threw a jab at somebody when it didn't have anything to do with the conversation whatsoever. And the reality is hearing first, being slow to speak and slow to become angry, actually being hearing is the counterbalance to word vomit, is the counterbalance to anger that exists within us. And the reality is when the most important thing in the conversation is what I need to say, then the focus is on me, not on God. If my anger and my me first attitude is the main thing that I'm trying to get out of my mouth, that's in my head, all I'm thinking about up here is me. I'm not thinking about Jesus. I'm not thinking about that other person. I'm not thinking about God and how God wants to speak truth into their life and how actually that other person might need to know and follow Jesus. The reality is, guys, if we are posting stuff on Facebook or if we have those conversations that word vomit's coming out of our mouth, we are not thinking about that other person. We are thinking about our own thoughts and how they're coming out of us, right? It is more important to get my point across than it is to project, hey, this is what the kingdom of God looks like, and this is how you follow him. That's not what's first on my mind, because what's first on my mind is I got to get my point across regardless. 1 Corinthians 13 says that if you do that, all you are is a banging symbol. If you're not speaking truth with love, you might as well just be like loud noise. They ain't hearing nothing. And honestly, that's all I see on the internet. I just see people going back and forth and they just yell at each other. Nobody ever actually makes any progress on anything. Honestly, that's, it's not just Facebook, right? It's leaked out from Facebook. You see it on TV. You ever, uh, so I'm not going to point out media. I don't like media, um, but I will point to a certain media, uh, ESPN. Um, so I feel like I can talk about sports a little bit. ESPN, if you ever watch ESPN um, and you know Stephen A. Smith, uh, Stephen A. Smith yells about everything he does, right? Like everything that Stephen A. Smith does. Some of you may not know what I'm talking about, but go and watch ESPN and watch Stephen A. Smith's show. Um, it's, I think it's called First Take. And you'll notice this dude it don't matter what the subject is, he don't even know about it most times, and he's yelling at this other dude about it, right? And he could change his opinion later on, like five minutes down the road on the same, like in the same show, and he's yelling about it on the opposite side. Why? Well, because everything he does is yell, right? And that's so much of what we do is like, I'm gonna yell because this is what I think right now. And it might change, but I'm gonna yell about it later when I change my mind because I'm gonna think about it now. And everything is right now. Everything is immediate. My reaction is immediate. And the reality is, guys, when the action is immediate, all that's coming out of me in a lot of these situations is anger. And this is what James says about anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Sometimes we go, well, what if it's righteous anger? And James goes here, 
Most of the time, it's not. Most of the time, when you get angry, let's be honest, there's not righteous anger that's there. You might even have a good reason behind it, right? You might have reason for getting angry for that, and maybe you've been hurt, and that is true. I'm not discounting that. But if we look at it, we go, okay, righteousness of God, this is the right way to act. This is the way that God has called me to be. And I take time to be slow to speak. I take time to listen to the situation and what's happening. What actually happens is that humility actually produces within me an ability to look at the righteousness of God and go, oh, that's, that's actually the direction that I need to go. And I said this to a couple of students this past week, if someone wrongs you as a Christian, our natural reaction in our fleshly state is to react in anger. But as a Christian, we have an eternal mindset that we look to what God is doing across the earth and we say, that might suck that they did this to me, right? It's not fun that someone did this terrible thing to me. But I don't have hate in my heart and anger in my heart for that other person because it means that that conversation is actually keeping me in that place. Instead, I have an eternal mindset that I look at what God is doing in the world and if I see that, then my reaction to that other person is, man, I wish they were following Jesus. Man, how can I help them follow Jesus? How can I help them follow after the righteousness of God? And that is not our, that's not my first reaction. I don't know about you guys. My first reaction is I want to get them back. Somebody punches me in the face, I want to punch you in the face, right? No, nobody... Nobody likes the guy who punches somebody in the face, right? Any five-year-old can throw a fit. The reality is, if we're going to be like Jesus in the world, then we got to be a lot different than the way that the world reacts. If we're going to actually show people what the righteousness of God is, then we can't be that angry person in that conversation. We have to be different. We can't look like the world. The world reacts with anger when you feel differently than I do. I got to figure out how to do something different. Um, so I say this as someone um, who, so in my 20s, um, I went to counseling for anger. Um, I had a lot of anger within my own life um, that was based in my parents' um, divorce from when I was like 13. Um, divorce is a terrible thing. Um, I say that knowing that some of you in here are divorced. Um, I'm sorry. Um, but it, for me as a 13 year old, it sucked. And um, we have re-engaged on Thursday nights. If you're thinking about heading that direction, come. Don't let it sit there. Not for you, not for your spouse, not for your kids. Like get engaged with re-engage. Because the reality is, that's a sucky situation and your kids are gonna be dealing with it for a while. I know that as a kid of divorce, right? Okay, so I'm gonna start there. Um, 
But what I started to realize as I was going through counseling is that every single reaction that I had to any emotion that existed, any emotion, was anger. No matter what it was, it was anger, right? So I was feeling embarrassed, anger, right? I was feeling sad, anger. I was feeling depressed, anger. Like, and she pointed this out to me. Um, this was my counselor. Um, she pointed it and she goes, hey, did you ever realize that every time something happens to you, you get angry about it? Like, if it's a negative emotion, it's anger. Did you ever notice that? And I was like, you know, I think she's right. Like, I pay her $100 a session for her to tell me things that are true. So, like, I think she's right. I think there's something in, in me that she gave me this, this thing. It's called the wheel of emotions. Um, and as I looked at this wheel of emotions, she was like, I want you to point out on the wheel of emotions what you're actually feeling here. Um, it really took like that to get it across to me that like everything was anger. And so every negative emotion just became like, here I go, I'm gonna punch something or put my head through a door. Like that was really how my life was, especially as a teenager. Um, Hormones raging and punching stuff, right? Like that's what I was. And as I started to walk through it, I, I was like, man, I've really got to process something here that's, that's going on underneath all of this. Um, the reality is, if you're angry, your anger is in charge, not God. If you're angry, your anger is in charge, not God. Our anger, our emotions, our, especially our negative emotions, because you have to learn what it looks like to take a negative emotion and actually use it for good, right? That's really hard to do. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know how to do that as a 20-year-old. I didn't know how to do that like going into my 30s. Um, and so I've just learned in probably the last few years, hey, there's something going on underneath that negative emotion. There's something there that's deeper rooted underneath that negative emotion. And what I started to do is I started to write things down and I would just write down on a piece of paper like, Hey, Josh, how you feeling? And I'm like, well, I feel mad at the world. Okay, well, why do you feel that way, Josh? Well, because this thing happened. Okay, well, what's underneath that? Oh, well, this. Okay, well, what's underneath that? Oh, well, this. Okay, well, what's underneath that? And eventually I got to this place. And then sometimes it took a page, sometimes it took a half page, sometimes it took four pages, right? Of me writing this stuff down. That eventually I got to the bottom and I was like, there is a lie that I'm believing that is underneath all of this that I've set as a main truth in my life. There is something that I believe about myself that exists within me that is simply not true. It's something that Jesus has actually spoken against. And the reality is, guys, so many of us are dealing with this because we don't know what Jesus has said about us. We've simply been walking through this life. We've been walking through it and we've been hearing the lies of the devil and it comes into our ears and we take it as truth. Some of you wake up in the morning and like you're already negative and you haven't even thought about it, and then you listen to music in your car on the way to work, and it's the same negativity that you're pouring into yourself, that, and you wonder why you're an angry person. 
It's because you keep pouring that self that into you and it just becomes this process of over and over and over again, right? Where like all of a sudden I get to this place and I'm just angry. I'm just mad. Or maybe I'm depressed. Maybe I'm anxious. Why? Because we've taken those things and we continue to pour them into our lives and we think that things are gonna be different. Those negative emotions are not meant to be sat in. They're supposed to be a trigger that is supposed to go, hey, something's wrong here. Something's up here. I can't, I can't continue to live this way. I got to get this out of me and not punch somebody. Right? Because that's what happens. We let it build up inside, build up inside, build up inside, and all of a sudden it explodes. Instead, if we could take a step back and go, God, I've got this anger that exists within my heart. Why is it there? Where does it come from? Why, why does this exist within me? And I think the way that we do that, and the only way that we can start to evaluate those lies that we're believing is in what James says in verse 21. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and evil, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. That there in this place of moral filth and evil, in this place of anger and depression and anxiety, because let's be honest, the reason why we feel that way a lot of times is because we're so focused on us. I'm not looking at God. I'm not looking at what he has for me in eternity. I'm not looking for what he has for me next week. I'm focused solely on right now. And that other person hurt me. And therefore I got to get them back. Right? Or that other person hurt me. Therefore I'm going to sit in my hurt because I can't really do anything about it. Right? And then all of a sudden anxiety, depression, whatever it is. See, the portion of this passage um, is that this is actually the second part of James. I preached the first part of James probably, I don't know, six, eight months ago, something like that. Um, he's telling all of this after trials because after trials, our immediate reaction is usually that person did me wrong, therefore let me do wrong back. Two wrongs don't make a right, guys, still true. Right? And they're like, I want to go back and get at this person. But the reality is the way that we counteract that, the way that we come out of that moral filth and evil, evil is to humbly say, I'm, I'm not what's first in this situation. I need to listen first. Humbly receive, right? Because that's what here is. I actually receive it. There's something, it is... A, I'm submitting to somebody else and what they're saying. But don't miss this. I'm not just submitting to the world. I'm not just submitting to the things around me. That might make you angry, right? But I'm not just hearing all the things and believing all the things that exist within the world. I humbly receive the implanted word. 
that God's word comes into me and I actually receive God's word that he has spoken into my heart. The only way you're capable of doing that is by actually hearing the word of God. Sunday's not enough, guys. Being here on Sunday, I love that you're here. I love that I get to speak every once in a while to you guys, but it, it, it ain't good enough. I'm telling you, life ain't about Sundays and coming here. Life with Jesus ain't about this place. Faithfulness starts outside of here. Real life with Jesus isn't coming on Sundays. It's not going to your groups. Those things are extremely important. Don't get me wrong. Well, that's step one. That's good. It's not good enough. You've got to actually take and implant the word of God within your heart that you hear it, whether it's through podcasts, whether it's through reading your Bible. You've got to figure out how to get the word of God inside you. Listen to worship music, going to work on Monday. You've got to figure out how to implant that word of God within you because what does it do? It's able to save you. It's actually able and capable of bringing about good in a situation that was bad. That's exactly what James talked about in the beginning of this passage. That there is good that can come out of difficult trials whenever I receive the implanted word. Some of us exist within this state of anger and depression and anxiety because we don't know the word of God. It's not in our hearts. Because I called myself a Christian a long time ago and I prayed a prayer and I got baptized. And honestly, I, I haven't done much since. I don't really know what life lived with God looks like. Guys, I, I'm, I'm asking you, I'm begging you. Don't let it stay there. Don't just come to church on Sunday. Don't, for the sake of your kids. I got some of them over there, right? I talk to them every Wednesday night. Some of them are angry. Why? Because their parents are angry. Anger is how they react. I love my parents. I love my mom and my dad. I, like everybody makes mistakes. I get that. But one of the reasons why I was angry in my 20s is because my parents used to yell at each other whenever they would have arguments. You got to figure out how to get the word of God implanted into your heart so that you can go out and not just react but that you can have an eternal mindset that you look at what God is doing in the world and I can say, okay, I am on mission for him in the world. It's too important, guys. It's too important for your kids. It's too important for your family. It's too important for the mission of God in the world. You don't have time for this. The word of God directs us into peace. Directs us into peace. And that's what we're really looking for. Right? I don't really want to get my point across to the other person. I want to bring that other person into truth. 
And the only way that we're gonna bring that other person into truth is by slowing down and actually having the truth that exists within us and saying, this isn't about me, this is about him and what he wants to do through me to other people. How do I bring people into, this is what we've been talking about this whole time with multi-ethnic church and bringing people in who don't know Jesus. That's what this whole thing is about. How do I bring people in? It can't be about you. It's gotta be about God and the peace that he gives you that I don't have to react. So we're gonna worship and we're gonna, we're gonna go into this time where we're gonna talk about this peace that God gives us, that we need to bring it all to peace. But guys, the only way that we can have peace is by having the word of God implanted into our hearts. Would you pray with me? God, would you implant your word in our hearts? Whether it's through worship music, whether it's through personal engagement with your word. God, I pray that we would be people of peace, that we'd be peacemakers in this world as you've called us to be. But that would be because, not because we're simply trying to do nice things for people. Not because there's something about peace that like we're supposed to live that way, but God, that we see your eternal word that speaks to us about Jesus and that it's implanted in our hearts and that the overflow of our hearts actually flows out into our, the people who are around us, whether it's our families, our community, our coworkers, whoever it is that is around us, God, I pray that it would pour, you would pour your truth into our hearts and it overflows into other people. And that we would speak that truth in peace, that it would give us an eternal peace that shows others that we are different than the world. God, we love you. In your wonderful and mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.